We are FBC Summit, leading everyday people to love Jesus and make Him known. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here's our pastor, Dr. Larry LeBlanc. Cannot believe it. It is the last day of November. Um, it is officially uh, December as of 12 o'clock tonight. And I wonder, just out of curiosity, who in here is finished Christmas shopping? You are 100, I mean, done, done. all right? And is that because you're not doing any? Is that why you're done? Okay, all right. Uh, I like that. I, I, I like that. I'm glad to know that some of you are, you know, um, going to be procrastinators like I am. I'm going to tell you something. Um, those people that buy Christmas early, like super early, I have figured out it's a, it's a waste of time. It is a waste of energy, and you do not save money that way. And here's why I figured that out. I've been married almost 20 years, so if you're a newlywed or young and married, I'll, t I'll tell you this will help you. Um, whenever you do actually start shopping early, the thought is we'll get done and we won't, we'll, have, we'll finish shopping and then we'll have it all finished up. But if you start early, you don't ever quit Christmas shopping, so you just keep buying more and more and more. So what I figured out is if you wait till the 23rd to actually do it, then, there, then you have a place where you have to stop because you run out of time. So there's a method to the madness. There is a method to the madness. I'm glad, though, that you're here tonight. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving um, last week. How many of you um, have ever either read one of the books, or you have been to a Guinness Book of World Records. You've ever been to one, walked through it, read, read, read the, the... When I was a kid, I was fascinated with it. My mom was trying to get me to read as a child. Um, and just pushing me, pushing me, pushing me to read. And, you know, we, she had bought Hardy Boys and bought all these different books. And so... She basically told me, she said, if you'll, she said, any book that you'll read, I will buy. Like, if you will read it, I will buy it. And so I, I went, and, and so this is when you, y'all remember, some of y'all in here are old enough, do y'all remember bookstores? Like, they were places that you went in and bought books. They, they had that, and they also had these things called libraries where you went and checked books out, like Dewey Decimal System. I, I was trying to tell, I was trying to tell my daughter the other day, she said she was doing a paper, she said, I do not know how in the world y'all ever found anything out without having like Google or without having the internet. So we had this conversation about, and, and I was telling her about a card catalog and the Dewey Decimal System, and she is looking at me like I am absolutely nuts. Like, and so, but, but you had to go buy books. And so we went, we went to, um, to Barnes and Noble. And so she said, you buy whatever books you want. Well, the first book that I went back there and bought was something called a hard. It was called the Shooter's Bible. Now, if you've never heard of it, it basically had a listing of every gun that had ever been produced. It had like all these listings, and so I brought it back. And my mom was like, "I'm wanting a chapter book." I said, "Well, this has chapters. Like this has got like military grade guns and revolvers." And so, and she so said, "If you will read it, then." buy it. You're, you're welcome. Then, then get that. And then I came back with a Guinness Book of World Records book. And I can remember flipping through that because some of them are really impressive. Like that somebody would break the world record uh, for fastest time in a 40-yard dash. That, that how long even somebody could hold their breath. You Long distance shots. There's a lot of things that are really, really impressive. But did you know that there is a man 
who has broken the world record for the amount <clears throat> of glass that he has eaten. He eats glass. Now, notice I'm enunciating everything tonight. And he takes it and you have to chew it into absolutely fine particles before you swallow it. So you grind it, because I mean, once, once you read that, you got to do the, I mean, how, how do you go about doing that? So you have to grind it with your teeth to basically turn the glass back to sand so that when you swallow it, it doesn't do damage to your internal organs. I have so many questions. I, I mean, I really do. I have so many questions about that. First, fundamentally, is how did you ever come to that in the very first time? One day, you're just out and y'all are out of graham crackers and the Dorito bag's empty and you're like, I know, I'll grab one of the windows. And you just start chewing it. like, And then you keep, it keeps going and going and going. And then you had to find out, but he's broken the world record. So if I broke the record in a 40-yard dash or a long jump, that means I had to have known that somebody else had run the 40-yard dash in the long jump. So to break the record for eating glass, somebody had to have it before he did. And so he had to make this a goal of how I was going to achieve this. And forevermore in the record books, until another fool comes along, he will forever be remembered as the world record champion glass eater. And I, I can remember even as a kid reading that and thinking, you know, it's one thing to accomplish goals. But it really doesn't do you any good if you have bad goals. And we've been walking through over the past several weeks these solas. And we talked about sola scriptura. And then we began talking about um, sola gratia or grace alone. And we studied that a couple of weeks ago. And then we pick it back up tonight. And we're going to talk about the necessity of grace alone. And we're going to talk about it from an aspect that I think too frequently gets ignored. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to specifically examine Philippians chapter 3 tonight. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Um, it's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. It is a, one of the most beautiful examples of why we need grace alone. Sola gratia. Grace alone. Why we need to make sure that as we're pursuing things in this life, that we've got goals that are worthy or goals that, are matter, that matter, that we don't end up on our deathbed one day saying, well, I achieved this and I achieved that, but none of it's ever really going to matter. And so we're, we're going to jump off into this tonight and, and we're going to read Philippians 3 together. Um, we're over here tonight, obviously, um, the sanctuary, they're having dress rehearsal tonight. You're going to want to be here not only Sunday morning as we continue our study in 2 Thessalonians, but you want to be here Sunday night as well. We're going to have a night of worship. Um, going to be a wonderful, wonderful night, so we're excited about that. But tonight, let's look specifically at Philippians chapter 3. Paul writes, he says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision 
We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness faultless. So let's talk about how we're going to more deeply appreciate God's grace. How we're going to deeply appreciate that we are saved by grace alone. And the first way is, and you see it on your sheet there, remove distractions. Remove distractions. Paul is addressing the Philippian church and he says you need to be really careful because there's a group of people who are trying to infiltrate the church and they were known as Judaizers. So this was one of the very first cults that ever tried to establish itself inside the church. And the way, the reason they were a cult, and we've defined this over and over again, is a cult is anything that is Jesus plus anything. Jesus plus anything equals cult. This group of Judaizers came in and they said, yes, you need grace. Yes, you need the sacrifice of Christ. Yes, you need to have faith. But you also need to have works. And one of the works that you need to have is that you need to be circumcised. Is that if you are a Gentile and you got saved as an adult, you're not really saved unless you also go get circumcised. Now, without getting in a mixed crowd into the all of the biology or surgical aspect of that, but let's just be honest. Do you think that would cause a ripple inside a church if a group of people came and said, hey, by the way, I know we've got a bunch of 20 and 30 and 40 year old men here that have never been circumcised, but you're lost if you don't get circumcised. So all of you need to go have surgery on your private area for you to be able to be saved. If that sounds wild to you, good. That's exactly what was going on at this church. And so you can imagine there might have been some pushback from that. Because there's a lot of people saying, I don't want to have surgery. And, there are a lot of, and the rest of them are saying, well, then you're not saved. So the church gets divided over what, whether or not it is grace plus anything or Jesus plus anything. Which is why Paul says, you watch out for those dogs. Now when Paul uses the term dogs, we need to understand very clearly that the first century when dogs were mentioned, it's not the same thing that when we think of dogs today. All of you probably in here, a lot of you have indoor dogs, you have lap dogs, you have house dogs, you have dogs that you affection, that you love, you have dogs that you have. How many of you right now have a pet that you've got a stocking for up right now? Mm-hmm. Some of y'all scared to raise your hand, but you do. You got, you know you do. You know you, you, you and Foofy got that little, you got some bones are going to be stuck in there. And some, some of you are even so weird, you've got a stocking for a cat. Now that is weird. I'm just telling, I'm a dog person. If you got a stocking for, if you have a stocking for a cat, you should repent of your sin. Anyway, all right. So I'm just going to lay that out there for you. But so when we see the word dog, I want to be sure that you understand that Paul is using as detrimental a language as he would use in mixed company. This is as close to calling them out with a curse word as you would find. He is not saying, watch out for these fellas. He is saying, watch out for the sorriest, low-down, 
mongrel that you will ever meet and it's the people who are trying to come in and pervert and distort the gospel. Paul says, I hate what is in them. I hate what they are teaching and it will destroy the church. For 2,000 years, the greatest threat to the the grace of God and the understanding of the gospel has been Judaizers. Now when I say Judaizers, I don't mean necessarily people that are saying you must be circumcised, but it's anybody who tries to add anything to grace. So when Paul is trying to get them to understand this, he's saying that the flesh is everything that man is outside of Christ. And he says, we have nothing to brag about Because our best accomplishments and accolades are powerless to help us. In other words, the best thing about you, and none of us really want to brag, but probably if you thought about your greatest strengths, your greatest abilities, maybe you'd never tell anybody this, but you consider yourself pretty bright. Maybe it is that that you see yourself when you really think about it is, maybe you see that you've got some talents that not everybody has. Maybe you've got some ability or you're proud of your family or you're proud of where you came from or you're proud of your education or you're proud of your career or you're proud of your bank account or some of you, when you look in the mirror, you're just honest. You're so vain that you think the song is about you. You look into the mirror and you think, man, I am just absolutely good looking. That was a Carly Simon reference and some of you missed it completely. And you look into the mirror and and, and maybe you think you're good looking. And what Paul says, if you add all of that up, it's a complete waste of time. Because none of it is worth anything. And then Paul says one of the strangest, it sounds like the most arrogant thing you were ever going to read in all of the Pauline epistles. He said, he's talking about people who put confidence in the flesh. Remember, that's anything outside of Christ. And what does Paul say? He says, though I myself have reason for such confidence. Now that's an odd statement. So what Paul is now doing is he's playing devil's advocate. He's saying, I tell you what though, for just a moment, Judaizers come forward. Because if you want to argue about who has a better pedigree, about who's got a better resume, there is no one in the entire Philippian church that can step to me. Because if you want to compare who would have reason for confidence in the flesh, Paul says, and he can say this in all truth, I've never known a human being that has more reason to have confidence in their flesh than I would be able to have. And so, instead of just laying that out there, he goes ahead and says, why? He says, if any of you are doubting that, let me just tell you. He says, if you think you have confidence, I have more. And he starts off with the, very, the, the argument that they're using. He said, you're telling them that they ought to be circumcised, but what does Old Testament law say? Old Testament law not only says that you're to be circumcised, but you're to be circumcised on the eighth day. So, if you're going to be circumcised at 22 years old, you're certainly not going to be circumcised on the eighth day. So Paul says, 
I don't know of any of these people that are Judaizers. There's probably very few of them, even if they are circumcised, that actually did it on the day prescribed by the law. So if they want to talk to someone who actually can say that it is absolutely valid, my mama was Jewish, my daddy was Jewish, my granddaddy and my grandmama on my mama's side were Jewish, my granddaddy and my grandmama on my daddy's side were Jewish, and it goes back and back and back and back and back. And so because of that, when I was born, things were done the right way. So if you want to talk about circumcision, let me tell you that I would have a better reason than anybody in that whole church. If that's where I had my confidence, I'd have a better reason than any of you to have confidence there. But he doesn't just stop there. He said, of the people of Israel. In other words, I am 100%. I'm not a half-breed. He's saying I am completely 100% purebred. He goes even further. He said, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, when we talk about the tribes of Israel, if you were going to pick a tribe that was going to give someone clout, if you were going to say, of all of the tribes of Israel, which one would be the one, then the tribe of Benjamin would be of the twelve the greatest. A Hebrew of Hebrews. He's talking about his lineage there. And in regard to the law, a Pharisee. He's saying, by the way, also when it comes to education, I know more than any of you know. In fact, as a Pharisee, I have the entire Pentateuch memorized. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He could start with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and Paul could keep rolling. That's how much time and dedication he had. He'd memorized the prophets. He was an expert. He had been, not only... Not only that, but he was taught by the greatest scholar of the known time. He was under Gamaliel, who was known as the greatest scholar in the Jewish world at that time. So Paul's listing all these things, and if you don't understand the context of the passage, you would think this is the most braggadocious thing that anybody has ever listed. And yet he says that even though that would give... If somebody had confidence in the flesh, he has it. But he says, I don't have any confidence in the flesh because for the longest time, that is the confidence that I had, but I was using the wrong measuring stick. I saw something interesting the other day. Um, kayak fishing has gotten huge. I, I, some of you may have, they're actually fishing bass tournaments out of kayaks. Now, these kayaks aren't what a lot of you are thinking of when you think of a kayak. Some of them have electric motors. They have 12-inch screens on them. They are fully, fully equipped. These are super nice kayaks, and people are fishing all over the country in these kayaks. Well, because a kayak is smaller than a regular bass boat, they don't have live wells in them typically. So because they don't have a live well in them, they have to find another way to be able to gauge the fish, what, figure out how, much, how many somebody caught, how large they were, and so, instead of bringing them all back in a live well and having a weigh-in like a traditional bass tournament would, what they would do is they had a, a, measuring, a measuring board, and instead of going by weight, you would go by inches. And so you would take a picture of the fish on the measuring board, and then you would send that in to whatever tournament group that you were affiliated with, and if the fish was 17, inches, 17 and 3 sixteenths inches, then that would go towards your total, the, the total length, which was how they were measuring the tournament. Well, if you have any sport, you will find somebody that figures out how to cheat at it. And they had actually, one of these guys, they busted. Some of you may have seen a little while back, they had a walleye tournament, and the guy had stuffed the fish with all kind of 
uh, ounce weights so that he had actually stuffed the fish all down inside of them. So he cheated that way. What this guy did was he took the ruler and he took two inches and soldered two inches out of the ruler and then soldered the ruler back together. So when you were measuring a fish that was supposed to be 14 inches, like when it, it actually would show that the fish was 16 inches. So when he took pictures of it, every fish that he caught and registered was two inches bigger than it actually was because he had a faulty measuring stick. If you don't measure something the right way, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm, we're learning that at my house. I'm thankful. My daughter loves to bake. She can't, like loves it. And she's actually really good at it. But to get good at baking, you have to make some really dumb mistakes. And if you put baking flour in something instead of baking soda, you'll mess it up. If you're supposed to use self-rising flour and you use whatever that other kind of flour is, it'll mess stuff up. You've got to use the right ingredients and you've got to measure them correctly. And so Paul's point is, these are people that are telling you how you ought to run your spiritual life and they don't even know what ruler they ought to be using. So you remove your distractions, but the second thing he says is you've got to re-examine your perception. You've got to re-examine your perception. Watch what he says. This is strong language. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, verse 8, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes of God and is by faith. So we remove the distractions and then we re-examine our perceptions. What Paul is saying here is, is this heritage, this being of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, being a Pharisee, all that had meant so much to me that I had built my whole life around. Paul says, everything that I ever shot for, I achieved. I wanted to become a Pharisee. I wanted to become a teacher of the law. And I achieved all of my goals. And then... Acts chapter 9 happened. The Damascus Road happened. Jesus happened. Salvation happened. Grace happened. And then everything that I thought was so important, I realized mattered like nothing at all. He says, I, com- I consider it a loss. In fact, he goes so far that NIV, different, there's some different translations. He said, I consider it rubbish. Not a word you probably use very often. Rubbish? I don't ever use that word. Um, I can remember um, one New Testament class I took at New Orleans Seminary and they got, brought a New Testament scholar, a guy by the name of Ben Witherington, um, one of the most foremost New Testament scholars. He came in to do some lectures. And I was attending a lecture and he was teaching a class and he was talking about Pauline theology and he had us all turn to this passage. And so we all turned to this passage and uh, he walked through it and, and read the translation. He can, and so he explained everything that we've explained today about being a Hebrew of Hebrews and a Pharisee and all of the credentials that, that Paul had mentioned and then how Paul says, I consider it a loss. But Paul escalates. He, if you, in, in the Greek, he's saying, 
I consider it a loss. I consider it nothing. But it's like the language keeps getting a little stronger, a little stronger, a little stronger. And then Paul says, in fact, I consider it rubbish. Well, when we hear rubbish, we think about trash. Like, that's what I think of when I think of rubbish. Uh, You know, taking the trash out. That's not at all what the Word is. So, he begins to challenge all of the, the New Testament teachers in there that teach Greek about what this word rubbish means. And so, one of them, and, and he kind of lets it fall, and he, you know, professors don't really like to be called out by other people. I don't know if you've noticed that, but that, they don't like that. And so, he looks at one of them and says, what do you, doctor, think that, that this word rubbish? He said, the translation is dung which is also not a word I use a lot, but you probably know what that word means. He said, the better Greek translation is dung. And this guy looks at him and says, wrong. This is a guy that's taught me, and I'm like, it's about to get real, you know, I'm kind of getting excited. And and so he looks at another New Testament phrase, he says, what do you really see this word meaning? And he said, uh, he said, well, it's, it's manure. That's a word I have used, you know, a time or two. Use, I've never used rubbish, I don't think, in a sentence. I have used dung. I don't know that I've ever used the word dung. We're getting closer when he said manure. He looks at him and he says, wrong. And I said, here we go. And this is a class full of seminary people. Now, I don't want to offend all of you, so I'm just going to tell you. He looks at him, he said, the word that we have to consider the context, and the word that Paul chose was the crudest form of a word that could have been chosen in New Testament Greek. So if you were to say, we're going to pick the word that most closely associates with the word that Paul used, he said, and said this in front of the whole seminary crowd, that what Paul really meant was, everything that I once considered a prophet, I now don't think is worth a... And the word starts with S. And it's not shut up. And I can remember sitting on the... And going... Man, when's this guy coming back? Like, I've never heard anything like this. So I go back and I look at it, and the point is not to be crude. The point he was making is that Paul so valued grace that everything else, every degree, every pedigree, it it was worthless. It was garbage. It was manure. It was rubbish. And until we see grace is so fundamentally wonderful and beautiful, then everything else that we, the way we view anything else that we could do to earn the favor of God, it just makes absolutely no difference. It's the same as the man who won a competition for eating the most glass. Many of you, maybe all of you, know or have heard the old hymn, the old rugged cross. A line from the old rugged cross, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. What Paul is saying is, is that once I discovered grace, everything else just gets thrown at the feet of Jesus. 
Everything else just gets thrown there because it's not where I find my value. It's not where I find my worth. It's not where I find my satisfaction. It's in none of those things. And so, and this is for students. I try to, I've used this text with students a lot to try to point this out. But I think it's not just students that need to hear it. My fear for a lot of people, especially in our Western world, is not that they're not going to achieve goals. I walked, I was ex- excited the other day. You know, every now and then, um, you know, you're hard on your kids, you expect a lot of you to your kids, and, and you know, and every now and then, you know, if you raise kids, they, they disappoint you, and every now and then you, you realize that maybe you've done something right along the way. And um, accidentally, I wasn't snooping, but accidentally, I don't necessarily know what was hidden, but I walked in one of our children's rooms the other day and tacked up on the inside of the closet was a list of life goals. All down. And I I wanted to leave it alone because obviously it was put in a place where it was not really meant for everybody, but I didn't because I own the house. Um, and I have full, if you own your house, you don't get, if you want privacy, buy your own house. That's, I, I believe that about raising kids. Um, it's not your house, it's not your room. I'm letting you live here for a little while. So anyway, uh, I read the goals. Now, I've, now I'm going to say, uh, just be honest, there's probably some that we could tweak, you know, but the fact that we put them on there, I was, re- I was really impressed with. Do I think we're going to achieve all of these goals? I, I don't know. But the fact that we've got them, that, I was glad. I, I, thought that, I thought that was good. I thought that was solid. So I walked out of the room and, and, I, and I prayed for my kids, but, but I pray this for, for our young people a lot. I want them to have goals, but I don't want them to wake up one day and be 45 or 50, and it won't be that they haven't achieved their goals. That's not what's dangerous. What's going to be dangerous is when some people do achieve all their goals, and then they're laying in bed one night broken because they recognize that what they thought was going to bring them all the satisfaction in the world is hopeless and worthless and empty. The issue is not, do you have goals? The issue is, do you have goals that are worthy of the Gospel, that are founded in grace, that we understand that that's how we're liberated from understanding all about having this perception of it being about us, this Understanding sola gratia, that we remove the distractions and re-examine our perceptions. And then, obviously, we redefine our ambitions. And we're going to spend a little more time uh, on that when we come back and talk about that next week. We're going to continue, continue looking at what that looks like in verses 10 and 12 to have these new ambitions, to have these ambitions that are fueled by grace and that are fueled by our understanding of what the gospel is and what salvation is. So I'm excited for us to get to continue to walk through this together. We're going to be talking about what it means to be saved by grace alone um, and by faith alone, uh, by Christ alone, and for God's glory alone. So this series will continue. It'll take us um, all the way into the first first several weeks of January. So I'm excited about that. Um, I had mentioned to you guys, I'll 
finally, finally got it worked out. I'm really excited about 2023 from the pulpit ministry. Um, we're going to start off in January. We're the, the first Sunday of the year is January 1st. We're going to talk about the state of the church and our vision for the church. And then that's going to launch us into, we're going to walk through um, we're going to walk through a series on the life of Elijah, um, which I'm excited about. And then we're just going to spend a few short weeks going through the, the very small letters of 2nd and 3rd John. And then we're going to spend the remainder of the year looking at the life of Moses through the book of Exodus. And so I'm really excited about 2023 and what God's going to do uh, in and through that. Excited about that as we pray towards that. You be sure to be here this Sunday as we continue journeying through Thessalonians. It's going to be a great study. Uh, as we finish up that book over the next several weeks going into Christmas time. And then be sure that you're here Sunday night, invite someone. It's going to be a really special time uh, of worship together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people of First Baptist Summit. I thank you for their love for you. And God, mostly we thank you for your love for them. So Lord, as we come at the end of this month and come into this month of December and think about what grace really is, that nothing could highlight Your grace more than the fact that You sent Your only Son, Lord, to come and take on flesh to take our sin and our shame. So Lord Jesus, I'm thankful that You have given us this Gospel, that You have given us minds to understand it only by the power of Your Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that You would help us to continue to mind the depths of the beauty of Your Word so that, Lord, we would fall more in love with You that we might also love each other more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to FBC Summit. We are leading everyday people to love Jesus and make Him known. For more information, visit our website, fbcsummit.org.